Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Gasha! 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 Um, Juan Cabrera is a Mexican immigrant who grew up in San Francisco. He observed San Francisco's transformation into a deranged city due to malfunctioning local and state-level policies. I'm going to get into a few of those in just a moment. Juan is pursuing a degree in petroleum engineering. He has a passion for videography to document and bring awareness to the condition of homelessness in uh, California, his Instagram channel has kind of exploded, taken off. Uh, you can read more during uh, that full blog post that I'll put together at safetyphd.com. Give you more information about one. A little background as we get into this. Um, per official reports, which are probably low, there are 151,000 homeless people in California. That's the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. It's actually the highest number since 2007. Okay, but for San Francisco, I found multiple statistics. I found 8,000 people, and I found as many as 17,000 people homeless per how the statistics are calculated. So we do know it's a significant, it's a significant problem in not only California, but, but across the country. But California, mostly, uh, we think of also the, the you know, weather. We don't have the conditions that we have where I'm at in Wisconsin, uh, you know, severe cold in winter. But so I was looking at some of the laws, trying to learn more about, um, you know, regulations regarding uh, how people uh, who are homeless um, are treated in different states. In California, they're actually, it's the most, uh, has the most laws of any state regarding homeless people. And the laws actually don't do much to uh, advance the homeless people into a condition of not being homeless. There, There's actually... You know, there were laws called, they call sit and lie laws. So you can't sit and lie on a sidewalk, but then um, cities would find a way around that. They would put boulders on sidewalks. That's been kind of a trendy thing in the last year or two, putting boulders to prevent homeless people from sleeping, camping there. But of course, those are, they're not ineffective, right? They're, they're not, uh, they're not effective. They, they don't address the bigger issues, the bigger problems of um, how to make things better for people who are homeless. But so, we're, today we're going to get into face validity and and face validity when we've talked about it on the show is talking with people who can say I observe this David I observe this this is what's happening versus you know you turn on the news or whatever you're getting this news perspective which is filtered watered down bias you talk to people who are authentic and they can say I observed and today our guest Juan Cabrera Juan welcome to the Safety Doc podcast thank. Thank you for having me on, Doc. It's an honor to be here. I, I appreciate that, and likewise. So, tell us a little more about yourself. So, you know, it's like we were talking before you went live. It's I grew up in San Francisco. It it's a. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of nervous. You went live. Oh God, yeah! <laughs> don't be nervous. No, <laughs> this is we're all good to go here. Yeah, I'm, 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 I guess, uh, I'm a mechanic, right? I like, uh, I work on cars. I started working on cars when I was like 
14 years old and uh and i'm a father so yeah how old are your kids my oldest is 10 and then my youngest is uh six and the middle one is uh eight okay wow so how long have you um lived in california uh, pretty much my whole life. I, 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 I was born in Mexico, but I don't have any memories of Mexico. So I pretty much grew up in San Francisco. This, this is like my home city where, where I've, I've pretty much, uh, never lived outside of San Francisco. Okay. Well, so one, um, we're talking before the, the show started. So you had a tradition with your, with your brother um, something that you do on Christmas. And can you tell us about that? Because that's kind of a lead in to the next part, which is talking about your experiences of interviewing, talking with people who are homeless, learning their stories. But so- something happened, you know, what was it about, you know, six years ago or something, you and your brother, your twin brother. Right. Christ- yeah. Christmas well, tradition. So I have a twin brother, right? So we, we, uh, we had a tradition, you know, it was a different mindset back then, you know, six years ago, it was, we were younger, right? I think I was like, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, I think I was like 22. Okay. Yeah. So we had this tradition of, you know, buying socks and we, we did a little, we did some research and we found out that a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the homeless people, you know, they, they got a lot of food, they got blankets and all that, but they were missing socks. You know, that's something that, that they needed a lot. So yeah. we were handing out socks every Christmas, you know, Christmas day. And that led to, to me recording, you know, as the years progressed, I saw the homeless uh, population pretty much explode. Wow. To today. So, yeah, so socks. I mean, I I wouldn't think about that initially, but that's that's amazing. Um, so, one of the, you know, one of the questions is, were you? Um, I, I guess what what did you see six years ago when you started to to do this? Where did you were you fearful at all? Because I, I hear people say that they'll initially who don't um, who haven't interviewed people who are homeless, who haven't interacted with people who are homeless are like, I'm very afraid because I might, I might get beat up or something like that. And I think there's these misperceptions that, that are out there. So what did you experience? What did people say to you as you're giving things to them? What kind of discussions did you have? I mean, if you sat down for five minutes with somebody, what did they want to talk about? So at the beginning, you know, when we, when we were giving out socks, you know, we didn't really have any conversations with, with the homeless, it was just pretty much like, Hey, here you go. You know, there's, here's something for you for Christmas, you know, but as, uh, as the years went by, it's, it, uh, a lot of these people, you know, a lot of the conversations started off where it's just like, Oh, I started off with like marijuana and and there wasn't any fear though. There wasn't any fear at the beginning, uh, or uh, a few years ago. There wasn't that much fear, but like right now, you know, I, I wouldn't go up to a homeless, you know, it's just, it's a rare occasion when I do that, you know, I usually just like snap a photo or a video and yeah. I just keep going because, uh, I've, 
I think I have clips. I haven't uh I haven't published them online, but where some guy pulled out a gun on me one time. Oh wow. And I've people have pulled out knives on me and and sometimes like if you if you start pulling out your phone your camera, your camcorder, your phone, they start cursing at you like, oh take that camera away. You know, they don't they don't want people to document uh the homeless uh the homeless they don't want people documenting what's going on. They they don't like it. So when you were when you were out one um you know initially, you know, five, six years ago, handing things out, um you know, socks and interacting. What was striking you as as different than what you had heard from the media? You know, seen on TV, stuff like that. When you actually got out there, what what was something or some things you're like? This is this is different than what Channel Seven, you know, says about homeless. Or this is this this is very similar to what they say. I mean, were the narratives matching up of how the media was talking about this to when you were actually there? you know, in that environment, talking with people, uh, walking around, I guess, what did you observe that either was similar to what the news was saying or like completely different? And did you think maybe the news was spinning something in a certain direction? Uh, yeah. So the news, you know, they, they, uh, I guess they try to shame people. So the, like the local, the local news, they would, uh, pretty much say, Oh, we have a homeless crisis. You know, they, uh, you know, make making it seem like we need more we need more money, you know, to help them out. And and from what I see from the streets, they're not helping them out, you know, is the, these people are are creating uh they're doing self destructive behaviors to the point where they're dying on the streets. Does that make sense? You know, yes. the media the media doesn't report about that. You know, they, they don't right. they, I think uh last year, I think it was over three hundred people that died homeless people on overdose just on overdose wow so but they don't report on that you know the uh, and the media you know when they say homeless you know when for whatever reason the homeless let's say they talk about the homeless it has nothing to do with the uh, the amount of feces on the floor or needles uh knives guns that they find on the street you know right so yeah, it's two total. Two, it's like the media—they live in a different world, you know. That's 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 what it feels like. Wow. So you're talking before of sometimes being out in San Francisco with your children, and and then you know what your children are seeing. So we just talked about how the media is por- portraying some things. You talked about that things that you're seeing, but how about what are, what are kids seeing with, when they're, you know, out on their own or, or with their parents, you know, in San Francisco? Um, and then how do you explain to them, you know, this is, this is why somebody might be on a, on a bench or this is why there's feces on the sidewalk or whatever. I, I, I'm trying to put myself in the mind of, of kids in San Francisco, how they 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 write this because part of the question would be, well, why isn't somebody doing something about this, or why isn't somebody helping them, or how did they get to this point, or or what can I do about it? But th- these seem like really difficult 
things for a kid to process. I mean, I, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. I didn't have any experiences similar to this. If I was suddenly out, you know, with, with my parents and we're, we're going, uh, you know, through San Francisco now, I, and I'm 10 years old, I'd be like, I, I, I can't make sense of this. I, I don't understand this. It It's, it's really sad doc because to my kids, it's normal now, you know, they're just, oh, they, okay. they, they, they look and they they say, Hey, look, there goes a crackhead. That's that's, or look, there goes a homeless person. You know, it's, uh, it's sad, you know. I feel I feel bad as a father because they they shouldn't they shouldn't see none of this, right? They shouldn't have to be able to, uh, you know, if we're walking down the street, we shouldn't have to be looking if we're gonna step on feces or if there's gonna be a needle. Does that make sense? So it does. So my at least my kids, you know, they're they're already you say used to it, but. I, I, I try to take my kids out of the environment, so I'll I'll go down to like San Mateo, you know. San Mateo's only like what like ten minutes away from the city and it's a totally different world, you know. If you right. go to, or even if you go to South City, which is from where I live, it's only like a five minute drive. It's they, they don't have they don't have a homeless uh they don't have the homeless problem, they don't have, you know, needles on the floor, you know, it's 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 uh it's really odd, you know. So that's what I do, you know. Just stay away from San Francisco as much as I can, and just come back, you know, whenever I have to. But uh, I live in San Francisco. So as a resident of San Francisco, what do you see for you know policies and politicians and you know taxes and programs in the last you know five ten years? Um, because. Some of the research I did, just, you know, more money is being spent to, quote unquote, solve the homeless problem, but it doesn't seem to, as you indicate, have an impact on homelessness. If anything, things are getting worse. They are getting worse. You know, it's uh, I think last time I checked, they were spending almost half a billion dollars on homelessness. And there was a proposal to add another three hundred and fifty million dollars on wow. top of that so it and you know I'm, I'm not a big fan of the mayor uh london breed but i was in favor that she was like you know what we're not going to spend more money in this because whatever we're doing it's not working okay so that that was actually a good thing you know but uh you know they if if uh if you there's a uh, there's actually a twitter page on if you type in sfpd San Francisco Police Department. Okay. Loin, you can see how bad the laws are out here where, you know, like a drug dealer will get arrested today. Yes. And they'll, uh, they'll release him a few hours later and then he'll get arrested the day after or two days after. And that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, that's a big problem too, where, where someone gets caught with a firearm that, you know, they get caught with drugs, selling, selling drugs. And, you know, they just, they have the catch and release, you know, where it's like, go back into the streets, you know. Right. And oh, they're, wow. they're also, uh, you know, a lot of homeless people out here come in to commit crimes, you know, where it's, uh, if it's under 950. That's right. Do they pretty much, they'll just give you a citation. So it's almost, you know, I look from what I look at, it's almost more profitable to commit crime, you know, if, yeah. if I'm not going to go to jail. 
I, I had heard that, you know, even like, you know, breaking car windows and, and getting something that might be a value, right. If, if you have that threshold, um, there's really nothing that's done. Uh, I, I remember, uh, California, maybe 20, 25 years ago had a policy called, I think it was a no broken windows policy. And basically it was, it was, if a building had broken windows, like an abandoned building, the owner had to, you know, replace the windows and, the thought was if you had the appearance of places being kept up, you had less likelihood of, of crime happening. There was something similar in uh, New York, you know, back 25, 30 years ago where the subways, they would scrub the graffiti off the trains and stuff like that. But, hey, Juan, before, before I go on, um, Cameron Sanchez in the chat asked a question. He wanted to know what part of San Francisco you live in, what, what part you're talking about. Well, I'm talking about the whole city in general. You know, there's certain parts of the city where you don't really see this, which is, uh, I'll give you like Noe Valley. You know, that's okay. a scale neighborhood or Pacific Heights or even the Castro. You don't, these, these are neighborhoods that are, you know, pretty well off neighborhoods. But other than that, you know, but, you know, a lot of uh, multimillionaires live in those, those neighborhoods. So you don't really see sometimes they'll go up there you know the homeless but like for me i'm i'm either in hunters point or or the mission district okay so so like the mission district would be a district where you'd see quite a few homeless people oh uh, yeah yeah definitely hunters point or even the tenderloin the tenderloin i think it's uh it's the worst out of out of all the neighborhoods okay i'm just checking over here on a, on a map that I might share in a little bit. Okay, wow. Hey, it's our good friend Bull Rush. We have Bull Rush, Red Crusader, Cameron, the Bit, um, Sass Too Many. So thanks, guys, for showing up in in the chat. Very much appreciate it. Um, so, wow. Um, I, I guess another question I have is is you know, what about if people, you know, want to come out and, and see you and things like that? I mean, is this, is this something where you're like, yeah, nah, let's not, <laughs> let's not do it. Or are, are people, are people like saying they don't want to come to San Francisco? They don't want to come up and visit you because of what's happening in the city or, or not? Not really. Well, it depends, you know, like, you know, like my grandma, she visited us. She flew in from Mexico uh, last year, right? You know, even though Mexico being a third world country, they, when she got here, she was like, she was like a surprise. She couldn't believe the amount of homeless people and open drug use because you don't see this out there. You okay. know, there's a lot of crime, you know, like the cartels and all of that, but they don't, they don't see uh, people just, you know, out of their mind walking around naked down the streets, you know, on drugs. Yeah, tell me about that. Tell me some some instances where you've where you've seen some stuff like like that, and you're just like, oh my god, I just I can't get over it. Yeah, give me give me a couple examples of that, and, and maybe how has it happened? Like in the last month or two months or, uh, hmm. not not I haven't seen anyone like naked. But uh, outside of my house, I think I have a clip on on Instagram. There was this lady just in the middle of an intersection. Just she was, uh, I think she was high on a uh, on uh, on uh, crack. Okay. Just in the middle of the intersection, just you know, screaming and dancing around. 
the well the problem with that is that a lot of people don't uh don't uh follow stop signs out here too oh right so, <laughs> that's a it's like my brother and i have we have a joke stop signs out here are suggestions <laughs> that's what we say so <laughs> <laughs> the ones with the white lines around the outside those are optional yeah yes wow. so, <laughs> so people don't really follow stop signs all like that either in in the neighborhood where i'm at but uh a lot of neighborhoods too so i was just you know i was right there recording and i was just waiting i was like oh my god this lady's gonna get hit by a car that's but, you know, she didn't get hit by a car which was you know which did anybody good. do it did anybody go out and, and do anything try to stop her or yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's like i said before it's uh people that are around here it's just become normal like oh this is just some crazy lady just let her be that's how it's become Really, what you're, what you're saying is, you know, when you were younger, I mean, there were homeless people, but it was there. You wouldn't expect that they're probably going to attack you, that they're going to run out in traffic and do things right. that you're seeing now, or, or that they're they're, um, you know, zombies because of of drug overdose. Um, and what you're sharing, one is interesting because um, John Steele was on the show. John Steele out of Seattle. Um, John was talking about he was driving through Seattle, you know, maybe a year ago and and some guy um, in a in a part that had some homeless camps had jumped out in the road and I think was either hitting his vehicle like with his fist or or hitting other vehicles near him. And John had to take off and John had lived there, you know, pretty much his entire life, too, and was saying this is behavior he hadn't seen before. I mean, you, you had homeless people in Seattle, but not homeless people who were coming into intersections, you know, taunting vehicles, hitting vehicles, things like that. And I, I guess I don't want to also give the impression that, you know, homeless people are violent and, and all right, right, and, right. And that. But 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 to say that, you know, I think it's it's getting to this this threshold of of um, it, as you indicated, people, uh, you know, the access to to drugs, you know, policies which having, you know, gone well, if anything, it's probably brought more access to needles and, and things like that into, into an already really troubled situation. Um, wow. Um, yeah, I'm so, you know, Juan, give us, give us a couple stories. You, I, you had an, you interviewed somebody, you recently posted, it, it was a young lady. Um, can you tell me about, I guess, where you saw her, why you decided to interview her. She, I mean, she was cooperative with you in the interview um, is maybe what you posted is maybe like three to five minutes long. Tell me about that. And then also how typical it is to, to, to have people like that, that you encounter um, during your days. It's not that typical. It's uh, it's actually very hard to get someone to talk back to you. And I figured she, uh, you know, she, this happened in the Tenderloin. In the Tenderloin district. Okay. So I was inside the store and I saw her, you know, I saw her kind of like acting weird. She bought a, a popsicle and she just went outside, right? Okay. Outside the store and I just followed her and I just pulled out my phone and I started recording her. I took a I took a picture of her first and then I started recording her and that's when I was asking her the all those questions, you know. But uh, it's not something I do just because out of my safety. There's a lot of robberies that go on, right, in that neighborhood. So, but you know, it's that's one of the 
it's that's a, that that was a really sad story. She, you know, she looked like she was even younger than me. You know, which is uh pretty sad. And I'm only 28, so okay. Yeah, she she looked young, and um, yeah, I mean, it was so so. How did you? How did you? I guess start the dialogue. Did you say, "Is it okay if I record you, or is it okay if I share this on social media?" What do you want people to know? Did she have things that she wanted people to know? Uh, no, you know, she just. Uh, I just. I just. I just started recording. You know, that's what I usually do. But uh, maybe I should ask people. You know, but it's uh, sometimes I just start recording just to see if I catch anything, but she didn't want to be recorded. She didn't want to be recorded. She told me to put my phone away. And, uh, I, I don't know if you heard it, but on, on the, like the mini interview, she didn't even know what year it was. Right. Yeah. She said, what year, what year is it? Yeah. You asked her something like, well, you know, what, what day is it or what month or something? And then she's, she's just paused. She's like, well, what year is it? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't know it was 2020. She thought I was lying too. Yeah, that is oh my god. So um do you feel I, I I guess what what contributes to this? I mean, why why is it getting why is it getting worse? You know, the government, you know, I think they are so we get uh San Francisco, a lot of the homeless aren't from San Francisco. They come from other states, you know. Something that I've, that I've been noticing is that it's a lot of young people. And I have a feeling that it's, uh, you know, they come here to live the the California dream, you know. they, right. they And whether they're going to college and, they, and I have a couple friends that, that went to college and they, they, they were telling me that there's like heavy drug use in college you know the uh fentanyl is a big thing that's going on out right. here so that uh and then with the policies of themselves you know just a few weeks ago san francisco started giving away uh booze cigarettes and uh, I, I heard about that during the lockdown yeah and it's right like, this was that's oh, like, amazing and 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 during that time during this time there's been a actually a uh like a death boom, you know, from the homeless population, right? Of overdoses, nothing to do with COVID, but just on overdoses. So it's just, it's just the the more it seems like the more the government gets involved, the the worse the situation becomes. You know, over in the chat room, John Steele made a comment, and he said it's not a homeless problem; it's a drug problem. And I think you you just yeah, hit on yeah. that too. Um, and, and fentanyl, of course, you know, being magnitudes, um, you know, more severe than than heroin, than meth, um, you know, so a little bit of fentanyl, you know, can can kill. Um, so, you know, you're t you're talking about you know the 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 policies, the practices, you know, what you see. So, I guess. Um, is there anything that's working? Is there anything out there that you've seen? Any groups, um, any policies, anything at all that you're like, hey, like that worked right there. I'd like to see more of this. Like this, this thing, this practice, this policy, whatever. Um, it, you know, if someone came to you and said, you know, Juan, you lived here. 
Um, you know, you're a San, a San Francisco, you know, uh, you know, resident for many years. You, you, you've interacted with, with, uh, you know, people, homeless people. What do you think we should do? I mean, so how might you, how might you answer that and just put a few things out there and say, well, here are some things that I've, I've observed that seem to work from face validity, not from out here in some high rise building down in, you know, city hall where people have never actually interacted unless they're inside a vehicle, just taking a tour of some place, the tenderloin saying, Oh, here it is. You know, what do, what do you think? Where do you think the hope is? Cause I guess there, there needs to be hope. I don't, I don't see any, any policies or anything that they're doing that it's actually been working. You know, they, if anything, they double down on what's not working. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's like, like, I'll go back to it. They, they decided to give, give the homeless people booze, you know, it's, uh, booze, drugs, and cigarettes. It's, uh, why, you know, it's, it's my, I was, I was talking about this with my brother, you know, the, um, one of the uh, person that's in charge of uh, one of the nonprofits, you know, the, this guy was saying, oh, I've been trying to solve this problem for over 30 years, you know, and I was telling my brother, if this guy was in charge of a, you know, of, uh, of a company or a corporation, right. <laughs> right. you've been burning through millions of dollars, you would have been fired, you know, the, the first first year, you know, I don't think you would have lasted a year if, if, if this is the issue, you know, so... I, I think uh, that's a lot of uh, that's another problem. A lot of these people that run the, these nonprofits, they they make over six figures. You know, right. I've, I've seen up to like two hundred fifty thousand. So, yeah. is there's no there no incentive incentive for them to solve the issue if they're making quarter of a million dollars? You know, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's a great point. And, and yeah. I, I I honestly think you know uh, th- I could be wrong you know but I honestly think these people are evil you know just by you know you see what's going on on uh, on the streets and uh, or maybe they don't but how could you how 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 are you comfortable making quarter of a million dollars and right. see this all these problems you know there's a uh, like the public transportation is kind of it's it's, it's kind of like the subway is called BART out here. Yes. Yep. You know, people have sat down and they've poked themselves. You know, just because people leave needles in between the seats. You know, so that's uh, yeah, that's wow. a big right there. So I don't see anything that's been working. You know, to be quite honest, the thing has has worked it's it, it just keeps getting worse the problem just keeps getting worse so i'm trying to think um you know what would what would be a way to um you know to make to make a it, has anyone said to you i guess has anyone anyone you've talked to anyone who's who's homeless or anyone who was homeless or lives you know in in your uh, you know in your community kind of close to you have they said here's here's what i think would work here's what i'd like um access to showers maybe if i if we had access to show if we had access to i i don't know i'm, I'm trying to spitball this but 
I, I heard that, you know, a couple of weeks ago to, you know, giving alcohol, giving drugs to people during a time of coronavirus. I'm like, I, it doesn't seem to be the answer to me. That just seems to pacify um, people and, and knowingly lead them further into addiction and just in a bad place to to try to um, make it easier, I guess, for who's in charge from a political standpoint during during a lockdown um, that you're not going to have. Uh, you know, maybe more violence from, uh, you know, people who can't get drugs or alcohol or su suffering from withdrawal. I, I don't know, but it, it's absolutely, absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to, to bring us around to a side of saying, if we had three things we could just kind of try, you know, or even two things, what, what might that be? Um, you know, yeah. is it a housing issue? Is it, you know, that we need some things for people to do? Is it we need to have more innate needs met, you know, getting more clothing, more things out to people? Or is it like if we had to, you know, I guess, I don't know. I guess one where I'm coming at this is it can't really be a non-negotiable saying we can't fix it because if we can't fix it, then the whole city just kind of implodes and everything ruined is ruined for everybody. You know, homeless people, people who aren't homeless, everything just kind of falls apart. Businesses leave, medical facilities sh shut down and, and everything erodes for everybody. So, um, so yeah, what do you, like, like that young lady you interviewed. So I'm, 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 I'm watching that interview, that, that clip and I'm trying to figure what gets her back on track? What helps her out? So she's not outside of this, this, where did you interview her? Like at a store or something? Cause she was right outside the door. Yeah. Outside of a store. So, you know, it's, uh, the issue is, is there's no simple solution. You know, there's too many variables and, and, uh, not every single one. It's not like you could just come up with a formula to solve the issue, right? So it's it, it comes down to an an individual level, right? So it's uh I'm not sure, you know. I I think something that could work is stop the government spending on on this issue, you know, just because the more it, it to me it seems like the more money they put into it, the the more the problem seems to grow, and you know I'll. I'll give you a perfect example. I, I interviewed yeah. uh, other homeless guy. He he's probably in his uh, mid fifties, and he was a a software engineer. He used to be a software engineer, and he was uh, he was out of Jersey. You know, he became homeless out of uh, through a divorce. You know, he had a bad divorce and lost his house. You know, lost everything. But uh, what he told me is that there's not enough resources out there. But then what I when I uh, see what uh, what the county uh, spends on homeless people, you know, they spend about like I think it's like thirty thousand dollars, you know, if you do the math per homeless person. Okay. So, uh, is this guy was telling me we don't we don't have clothes, we don't have you know access to food, but but at the same time it's like wh where is this all this money going towards, you know? So. But at the same time, I, I see resources being uh, depleted to to all the homeless people, which also 
makes them dependent on the city. Does that make sense? Oh, right. So right. they get like a free bus pass. They get free. Uh, they get welfare. They get EBT. They get they get hard cash. They give them cash. They get cash. Uh, uh, some of them. Uh, a lot of. Now that you met, uh, you said earlier about the statistics. A lot of people that live under government housing out here too. They they're considered homeless, too. Right. So. Yeah, and and that gives that big discrepancy in the numbers. Like when I talked about San Francisco, when I was researching yesterday, numbers from eight thousand to you know seventeen thousand, basically double. Um, so. Yeah, obviously, I, I didn't know that they were giving cash. So, what are the if, if you're homeless yeah. in San Francisco? I guess, I guess what are what are things that homeless um, have access through to because of these government programs? They actually have portable showers. They they do have portable showers. You know, a, a lot of these homeless people. There, there's a lot of resources. You know, I've talked to several of them, and they're they're pretty much in the sense like, ah, I don't care. I don't want the resources. I just they choose to live like that. A lot of them. They choose to live that lifestyle. So you say uh, turn out. They, they deny the resources. So they they'll right, say right. I don't want to take. I, I don't have. I don't want the shower. I don't want this. I'm fine. Yeah, they, 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 they just. If it if 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 the resource leads to them having access to drugs, then they'll take it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. From what I see, you know. So like with. Hard, hard, hard cash, or I've seen. Uh, you know, I don't want to put any stores out there where, where the let's say you walk in with your uh, your EBT card, right? Let's say it has like hundred bucks. The store owner would swipe the card, cat like uh, register the like let's say the four hundred dollars, and then he'll give the the person fifty bucks. You know. I'll give you fifty bucks for your hundred dollars. So a, a lot of that stuff goes on too, you know. Really, which is, which is highly illegal. You know? So it's uh, you know, I don't say anything, you know, just because it's. I don't want to put myself into a situation, you know, because right. a lot of these people are interconnected with each other. You know, it, it could jeopardize my safety too. Because I I had heard something with the stimulus checks. So, um, for example, in, in California, uh, people are going to the to you know homeless uh, and saying, "Listen, I'll give you like you know a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars today, and then when your check comes in, I get the check. So I'll get the twelve hundred dollar check, and I'll give you two hundred today, and things like that were happening. And wow, I haven't um, I haven't heard that, but it okay. wouldn't surprise me if it's you know I've even had people come up to me and they say, "Oh, I have a." a uh, EBT card, which is food stamps. Yes. $250. Let's go to the store. You could buy everything. You know, you could just max the card out and just give me 50 bucks. Wow. So I, I personally don't do it, you know, just because I don't think it's ethical. Yeah. So uh, people ask you that have, has anyone come up to you and yeah. said, Hey, Hey, um, I've got this card 250. We can go and get food, everything you want. I, I want 50 cash. Yeah. I've had, you know, I've, uh, I get a lot of those people come up to me and say that to me, you know. Wow. It's not something that's, uh, uh, it's, and they do it overtly too. They, it's like, they don't mind if someone's listening to them. They, they don't care, you know. Right. 
So yeah, that's it's 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 crazy. That sounds oh man. Well, one I found the I found the clip um, that you posted on May twenty fourth of the um, young lady outside of the store, and I I'm going to bring it up on the screen, and right. um, I think you'd be able to see it too. I'm going to do it on a share screen. Just a second here, and okay. Um, are you able to see that? Yes. Okay. Can you tell us what is, you know, what is happening and, you know, any other interactions, what she's showing you, what she's doing? Yeah. So right there, you know, she was, she had just walked out of the store and she, she was talking to herself and I just started recording, you know, I don't know if you could play the audio is so people can listen to it. Wow. Yeah, here at the Safety Doc podcast, um, that is something we are wa- working on here a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, you know, I pretty much asked her what what was her her drug of choice. I could, I think I could hear it. What do you use? What do you use? What do you like to use? Oh, Cameron says that there's no audio on the on the video. Oh, okay. Hang in there, Cameron. I can hear it. Well, what's your favorite? Crack? Heroin? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna hide. Make sure you drink it. Tastes really good. It gets stuck in the little that the cartridge straight. And it has a quest and it like your mouth in the quest. Yeah, she's not even kind of making sense. She's I mean, yeah. really jittery. You gonna smoke some crack right now or what? You don't have any? What do you have on you right now? See, so, yeah, got about a minute left on this video. No, I guess not. No, <laughs> got it right there. Okay, good. Hey, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm getting this audio thing figured out a little bit with that little external mic here, so we can get some of those clips. But, but yeah. So she didn't. She had no idea what day it was. Um, what year it was she's she's really jittery and yeah i mean that's just wow that is that is just something um so what, what kind of questions if she wanted to keep talking with you okay because she was you know definitely you know kind of was like hey don't film me and and all this stuff but if she wanted to keep talking with you people who want to talk to you what do they tell you i mean because i'm sure you you run across people who they have like a lot of stuff they want to just have someone listen to because no one is there to listen to their story or listen to them. So tell me about when that happens. What, what do people tell you? They go on a lot of on their life. You know, uh, I had, a uh, 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 what I get, you know, a lot of people they're, you know, quote unquote educated, you know, a lot, especially the younger ones, you know, they're educated. 
they're educated, they came from college, you know, uh, they just uh, made bad choices, you know, bad choices in life, you know, single parent homes, you know, I get that a lot where they just grew up with the, with the mother, the father wasn't in the picture. So you get a lot of that, you know, they just, some of them, they just want to tell their story. Some of them, they just don't want to want the camera around them, period, you know? Okay. So, yeah, I, I to this day, I haven't been attacked, but uh, that's something that I uh, also, you know, worry about, you know, getting attacked, you know, just, just because you never know. The, uh, a lot of these people have diseases, you know, where... Yeah, like typhoid is is something now, you know, like in Los Angeles and in other parts of California that's come back. And who would have thought of typhoid, you know, in the United States? But yeah. Yeah. So I like right there, I probably had like a probably like a 10 feet distance. You know, I just zoomed in. But just because, you know, a lot, especially a lot of the homeless, they tend to spit when they they uh, when they talk. Right. So. So, so Juan, you took that video uh, re- recently, still under the coronavirus lockdown orders and all of this stuff. Um, how do you see that affecting homeless? As far as like, do you see uh, a- any attempts to, you know, these things distribute masks, um, t- get homeless uh, people into ho- motel rooms, um, more hand washing, or is this because we hear about this on the news, right? I hear about this in Wisconsin. San Francisco is putting up more hand washing stations and is, you know, doing this to prevent the spread of coronavirus um, amongst its homeless population. But r- really, what's happening? Is any of that happening? The hand washing stations, yeah, but it it doesn't help. You don't really see anyone use them. You know, they uh, they actually connected next to it's connected directly through a fire hydrant. Yeah, so people can just walk walk up and wash their hands, but. The hotels, you know, if I've heard about that, I haven't seen it. But what I what I have seen is, uh, you know, there's a local park by my house. And I'll see if I could upload it right now on, on Twitter so you can see the picture. Okay. They took a park and they just filled it up with like 45 tents, something like that. So not social distancing at, at all, probably, but concentrating people. Okay. They're, well, they're, they're, uh, they're fairly distanced, but... You know they're they're trying to uh, gather all the homeless so they're not just on the streets. You know, just interact oh, interacting with each other. But at the end of the day, the homeless, you know, if they're gonna go do let's say heroin, you know, they end up sharing a needle. So it doesn't right. matter what the county they, you know, even if they put these uh, social distancing require uh, requirements and they provide all the resources for the homeless. They don't, they don't listen, you know? Right. And do you think part of it too, is they don't want to leave their possessions behind also, or even like an area that they've kind of claimed, like if I leave here, it's going to be hard to get back my territory or my things, or is that not really an issue? Uh, Yes. That has, you know, they, uh, they don't want to leave their things behind. They don't, they don't want to leave their area. They're just comfortable where they're at, you know? You know, they don't, they're, they're, they don't have any responsibilities. So it's like, why, why would I go to uh, an encampment where they're going to make us follow these rules where we have to check in at a certain time, you know, same thing with the homeless shelters, you know, a lot of the homeless shelters, you know, they, they just don't go just because of 
they got to follow the certain rules. You can't bring a certain amount. You can only bring a certain amount of things. You can't bring drugs in, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so in those instances, I mean, why do it if you're going to, yeah, have a risk of some things, your possessions, you're not, you're going to lose. Um, yeah. I, wow. That is so, so Juan, tell me, um, I guess, how has this impacted you personally? So, from a standpoint of either like faith in humanity or like, you know, someone who has lived in San Francisco of like, this is, this is what's happening now. I feel like I'm losing my, my town, my, my city, I'm losing my identity. Um, I, I guess, I mean, are there, I, I would assume there's really dark struggles kind of for you because taking, you know, pictures, the video living there of what you're seeing, what you're surrounded by. Um, it, it's, it's gotta be hard to, to, watch that recalibrate and also think I'm a father. My kids are growing up. Here's where they're growing up. And just overall things are kind of exacerbating and, and, you know, the country and how, how do you, uh, when it comes to the end of the day, how do you work all that through your mind? You know, I, I've made plans, you know, because it's, uh, you can only like, I, I, I upload the pictures, you know, and the videos on Instagram, you know, on the multiple pictures on Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram, and I, I've i came to the conclusion that, you know, this this isn't going to change anytime soon, you know. it's And I've, I've been trying to make plans to leave California, but due to having kids, you know, I'm a full-time single father. You know, I have my, I have, like, full custody of my kids, but... Well, like my kids have visitation rights, so I can't technically just pick up and leave. But that's okay. something I'm sorting out myself because I don't, I don't think it's healthy for my kids to see this and to think it's normal. You know, that well, was a question um, Red Crusader had in the chat. He was asking if you plan on leaving San Francisco. If this had run through your mind and or California, and, and if so, I guess what would you, where would you want to go to? What would be your destination? You know, I was looking at Texas, uh, South Dakota, Tennessee. Uh, I got to do a little bit more research. You know, I got to go check out the area, see if I like it. You know, I, uh, I like I like warm weather, so yeah. it has to be warm. You know, I could probably tolerate snow. You know, <laughs> months, but that's right. what I think. You know, but you know from from people that I know, they're like, you, you probably are not going to like the snow. <laughs> no, no. I grew up in Wisconsin. I still live in Wisconsin. I do not like the snow and it's, it's very long here. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, as, as you know, um, other people have indicated, you know, Red Crusader is one of them in the chat. And, and I've, I've heard more people who live in bigger cities saying they're getting out of the cities. Um, and in, in San Francisco, obviously, homeless contributes to that. Now, you know, we talk about coronavirus hitting the cities. Um, what has that meant in in California for, like, transit? You know, has, has some of that been shut down because of coronavirus, so public transportation? You know, that's a big thing. You live in a city, okay, give up your car, give up whatever, because it will have public transit. And then all of a sudden, you know, coronavirus hits, public transit gets shut down or scaled back. Have you seen that? Well, public transit got scaled back, not not because of the coronavirus, just because a lot of people started losing their jobs. So the demand wasn't there. 
okay. public transportation. Personally, I, uh, you know, I haven't took public transportation in years just because how, how, uh, undesirable people go into public transportation where it's, uh, you know, there's fights and drug, you know, you see drug use in public transportation too, you know, like on, on the train, it's called BART. The, you know, there's, I, I've seen videos of other people that they posted online where someone's in on the bus, you know, just smoking crack in front of in, on a, on a bus that's wow fully packed. So I, you know, it's it's kind of, and you know the fuel out here like gasoline, it's pretty expensive, but it's a trade off, you know, that I'm willing to take so my kids don't get get exposed to that. But public transportation, you know, it's uh. It, it went down by like 90% for BART and uh, like the, for the bus, I'm not really sure, but they, they scaled down too, just because there wasn't that many people using public transportation. Wow. So Juan, is there, uh, is there a story that's, that sticks in your mind um, from, you know, somebody that you interacted with either, you know, when you're giving out, uh, you know, clothing, giving out socks, or just somebody interviewed someone who like just had this story or this presence that to this day you're like, I remember that person. This is what they said. I remember their story. I remember whatever. Or you know, did you did you have that experience? Is there somebody you can can share some experience um, that uh, that kind of changed you, or, or, or like you after you had it, you're like, wow, like this this reframes how I think of everything. Right. So Christmas, uh, you know, from last year, 2019, the one that just passed, you know, I was with my buddy. We were talking and we're like, let's he he convinced me to go uh, give out socks for that year. Right. I was hesitant about it just because how, how dangerous it's become. So we were giving out socks, you know, on Christmas Day. And there's this like little tent. It looked like a, it looked like a kid's tent. Right. Okay. So we go up to the tent, you know, we, we, you say like, hello, you know, like, uh, is anybody there where, where we want to give you guys a Christmas present? So this, the tent starts shaking around, you know, and here comes this like six foot seven guy, you know, he was tall. I'm, I'm five ten, you know? Wow. He's a homeless guy, but you can tell he's on drugs. He's all jacked, you know, it looked, it pretty much looked like he just came out of prison. Okay. And he's like ready to beat us up you know like he he thought we were messing with him right and my friends with his camera and he, he just looks at us you know and he you know i i i was uh i wasn't scared but i was like like oh it caught me off guard because i really thought this guy was gonna start beating us up you know you know all i had on me was like a, a little pocket knife we weren't really protected and but that was one of the cases where we're like, we really felt uncomfortable. We're going up to like strangers, but yeah, this guy was this this guy was really really tall. <laughs> Holy, it just out of the small tent. He yeah, it, it, that that it, 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 like my friend, my buddy, and I we were laughing about it because it's like it was this tiny tent, and he comes out this this guy that's like six foot seven. I was I was like, wow, like how did he even fit in there? You know? <laughs> oh my god, wow! You know it was. Um, it was about 20 years ago. So my, my wife and I went out to San Francisco and 
my brother-in-law and his family live um, outside of San Mateo. So, you know, real close by. And I remember um, we were, you know, out for the night in San Francisco and, you know, I'm from Wisconsin again, smaller town, Wisconsin, you know, and this is 20 years ago, my brother-in-law, you know, we got done eating somewhere. And then he said, if you're not going to, you know, eat the rest of your food, we can um, have it put into boxes. And then he took it and he was giving it out to like homeless people as we were kind of walking back to, it was actually the BART at that point. We did take the BART, although there was a fight on the BART. I'll never forget either. That was kind of pretty wild because like, whoa, someone was trying to bring a dog on the the BART and someone has gotten a fight with them. But, um, but yeah, at that time, I remember him saying, you know, it, it was, it was more of a feeling of compassion toward, toward homeless is, and, and there wasn't a thought that you're going to get beat up or anything like that because um, maybe the drug use wasn't as rampant as it is, as it is today. But I remember very distinctly, like going through that, going through Chinatown, things like that um, and not feeling, feeling aware, but not feeling like in danger. And, um, but he said, you know, his, his observation is the same thing. It's, it's become very dangerous any time of day like it could be noon and you could be driving and you you pull up to a stoplight and suddenly you know somebody comes out um and it's not that they're they're after you it's it's just that they are just in such a state of of uh chaos you know in their own mind from from drugs and wow um so so you talk about this guy so any, anything else, like when someone's telling you like a story, is there any story that someone's shared? Like I came here from another state because this was my dream or, you know, you know, I'm going to get out of here or anything like that or any, anything like is just kind of um, this, this memorable or heart wrenching story that you've, you've heard or, or, cause I guess it sounds like people really aren't confiding as much. I mean, is there anyone who you felt has built up a trust with you in a conversation where they wanted to share a little bit more? Or? There's a, uh, you know, I always, there's so many homeless people, so I don't really remember who they are, you know, but there was this one story, you know, uh, I was at this gym, right? And I didn't know the guy was homeless, right? He, he looked at like, he looked at like a normal guy. Okay. And he was, uh, he was some sort of an engineer, right? So I really felt bad for this guy because he 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 had gone through a divorce. This was at a Planet Fitness. I don't know if you're aware what Planet Fitness is like a ten dollar a month kind of uh kind sure. of deal. Sure. Yeah. Well, this guy was living off his car, you know, he was he, he had become addicted to drugs. Uh I think it was uh I think he was addicted to uh uh, meth yeah it was meth and and he went through a divorce he lost his house you know he had a like a mansion kind of like a man i think he had a mansion out by like at like half moon bay i don't know if you know where that is, where that's at it's like towards San Mateo. okay and this guy was just you know totally destroyed you know hooked on meth and and he was trying to get his life back together, going to the gym, you know. But he's like, you know what, man? To to be quite honest, I'm probably gonna go do do some drugs right now when I get out get out of the locker room. Right. And that was that was really sad for me right there. I was like, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So so where does the money come from 
for drugs? Is it people who take the the EBT cards and then you know are having someone buy $150 worth of groceries for themselves and then giving $50 back. I mean, because I would think it would be pretty expensive to acquire drugs or is it prostitution or, or how is, or is it theft? But then who's buying stolen items? Wouldn't that market be driven down where people are like, I'm only going to give you whatever for. Um, so it's a combination of all those. So I, uh, there's a uh, there, uh, the black market out here is really huge, so you know there's a lot of uh, robberies that go on, like phone thefts, computer thefts. So let's say it's like right now I have like an iPhone, right? Okay. If uh, let's say if I was to sell the my iPhone on the market, right? Let's say it's worth like four hundred dollars, right? If uh, if a drug user you know decides to rob me. They'll probably get like fifty to one hundred dollars for the phone, and what they do, there's actually these groups of people where they de- dedicate to, the, to to buying stolen goods, and uh, you know they busted someone a few months ago where they had probably like five million dollars worth of stolen goods from laptops to holy smokes laptops, computer uh, uh, phones, uh, gold. Uh, uh, Fabric softener, detergent. It's a big, it's a big market. So that's how they get uh that's how they get their money. Holy smokes. Yeah, Chase, uh that guy that you uh that's the new DA, Chase Abudin. He he's pretty much decriminalizing a lot of the stuff. So he's actually made stuff worse. Right. So so this is something too. I mean, so the police are getting basically a stand down order. They're, they're right. saying, you know, don't, you know, you're not going to, some public urination, you're not going to go over and find somebody or, or whatever. Um, wow. This is um, crime such as public. Okay. We will not prosecute cases involving quality of life. He said crime such as public camping, offering or soliciting sex, public urination, blocking a sidewalk, etc., should not and will not be prosecuted. Wow. Um yeah, so this is this is the guy, right? Uh, yeah, his name is Chesabudin. Okay. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I mean, if you if you don't have a policy, if you're not in, enforcing your policies, if you're relaxing your policy, I think it also puts law enforcement in a really difficult position. I mean, so somebody calls the police and says, "Hey." You know, um, there's somebody in front of like, like that young lady. Let's say that she's um, becoming aggressive with patrons who are coming in and out of that place, like for panhandling or something like that. And they're saying, you know, she we, we need you to. And they're they're coming and saying, our hands are tied. You know, there's not much we can do. We can offer her whatever resources, but we're not going to physically put hands on her and and move her or something like this. And um, wow. So this is where, you know, you've pointed out it's really a policy failure that's come in and, and just more adding more money into this isn't solving things. Um, the, the San Francisco Police Department was actually against this, uh, the, the district attorney, because it's like. You have to understand from the uh, police department's view, what's the point of me arresting someone, booking them? 
and they're just going to get released. And then when it's time to go to court, they're not going to get uh, prosecuted. So that's that's right. another big issue. So it, it's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I, it, it's I I can't, I can't even explain it myself. What 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 do these people think? You know, right? By not criminalizing, uh, you know, uh, anyone, and there's no there's no consequences for this type of behavior. You know, so if anything, you know they're going to be incentivized to keep doing it. And, and I was reading something too about, you know, vehicles to smash into a vehicle and take something is there's, as you indicated, there's virtually no consequence because if it's roughly under a thousand dollars, and I think there's a different threshold of you know, seven or 800, but roughly under a thousand dollars, it's there, there isn't, there won't be a ticket. There won't be persecution of that. So, I don't even know, you know, if you own a vehicle, um, how, unless you have your vehicle stored away in a garage or something, I mean, it's basically open to anybody um, who just wants to check if you've got anything in there, just take out a window or I would assume like that's, that reporting has got to be crazy of just lineups of vehicles that have been broken into because, hey, if somebody's caught, and I think it's per instance too, is what I read. So, like, if someone, there were, like, 10 vehicles and they broke into 10 and they were owned by 10 different people, each one is individually assessed as its own act. Like, if you if you had 10 vehicles, then that would all be your property and it, it would accrue. But, again, what point is it when someone doesn't have the capacity to pay, um, you know, these fines anyway, and they're, they're going to be processed and back out on the street in a number of hours? Um, you know, well, I... It's like I, I'm sitting in my SUV, right? A few weeks ago, they they broke my window. I had to pay like a, I think it was a, a hundred and eighty dollars to get it replaced. Right. And there's no point of, uh, you know, I have cameras, you know, outside of my apartment, but there's no point of me uh, reporting it. You know, they like last time I, uh, someone was breaking into my car, right? I called the police and they told me. Well, that's not a, uh, that's not a, uh, how did they say? That's not an emergency. Just uh, reported, uh, filed a complaint online. And I'm like, wow, you know? So what's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the point of all this, you know? There's no point of me, like if someone breaks into my window, if I see it happen, there's no point in me uh, uh, rep- doing a police report. So uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, Things that go on that goes unreported, just because oh, the right. police doesn't—they're not—they can't do anything about it. And uh, you know, and if you take matters into your own hands, you know that's a whole different scenario that you might not want to get into. You know. Well, yeah, and I think you just brought up a great point because people might look at this like if you're a politician, you know, you could spin some of this as saying, "Hey, you know, whatever we've just put in place." Um, is effective because we have less reporting of, you know, break-ins and whatever. And the fact is, it's just people aren't reporting those anymore <laughs> because they know nothing is going to happen. There aren't going to be consequences. So, that, you know, that that's the thing of, you know, you're bringing the face validity to this saying, listen, people are, they're breaking into vehicles. You know, the probably the best you can do if you're, if you have a house or something is just to 
to to make it as difficult as possible for someone to break in or you know park your vehicle in an area that's more busy so if there are five vehicles yours is more difficult than three others so it's likely the three others would be victimized versus yours it's not a great it's not a great plan but it's kind of that thought of they're going to go to the person or the place that's that's less able to defend itself you know if there's a car parked in a dark on a dark alley or something like that it's probably going to get broken into things stolen um so how about how about like in what do you pay for car insurance? I mean, just this has got to be crazy. Like if you say, "Here's my address," and they're like, "Oh my God, you're in San Francisco. Here's your premium." I mean, is it going up through the roof? Because I I I have liability. I don't fully insure my cars just because it's uh, it's not worth it, you know. Uh, and I actually have several cars. I think I have uh one, two, three, four. I have like six cars. So wow. That's that's something that I do too. I I, I buy and sell cars. So. Okay, like Aaron Clary has like seven phones. I don't know why. He calls them <laughs> burner phones. I haven't figured that out yet. He's gonna tell me some da- sometime. Burner phones. Okay, no, so you're buying and selling cars. You keep liability only, but it's it, it sounds like you you pretty much that's a smart move unless you actually have a secured garage to put it in. Why in the world would you put other insurance on a vehicle that is? at high probability for being damaged and damaged repeatedly, right? Yeah, I actually don't. Like, I only insure the the two cars that I drive uh, daily, you know. Other than that, the other vehicles, you know, if they, they get broken into, us, you know, it's, uh, I already, like, if I buy a vehicle that I'm going to fix, right, I, I put in, you know, I, you know, I put it in my budget that, you know, the window might get smashed. So that's probably going to be another 150 bucks. So right. that, that to the... I, one, um, I, I, my, my brother-in-law, um, one of his friends like did, did windshield repairs. Like not, he would like put in a new windshield. So like you get, a, you get the new windshield for like 120 bucks total or something like that you know it was like half the price of it you go to like a safe light or something and like i used to i used to drive on the interstate for my my job and uh i always was losing a windshield or two a year and so yeah i was going to this guy like i got to know him i'm like hey can you set me up with a new windshield he's like yeah bring an order to my garage it's actually i set you up 120 bucks cash i get the window we put it in so he'd order it and it's just like there it is there it is windshield um Hey, how about firearm laws? Do you, do you are you um uh, do you own a firearm in California? I I don't I don't own a firearm uh just just because I got into you know some trouble in the past sure but uh I, I don't have a criminal record but just just by being you know I I was in the system once and then they they won't give me a firearm but my brother you know he he actually. He's applied for a conceal and carry, and oh, I think it's only two people in the whole city. Uh, I think it's like eight hundred thousand. That that's the population where they don't even want to qualify him for for a conceal and carry. So he was living with me, and you know the neighborhood's kind of rough. So he applied for a conceal and carry, which is you have to prove to them why is it that you need a conceal and carry. Okay. So all right. We pretty much have to prove to them why, and he was denied because uh, 
there's a police station a few blocks away, even though there's a lot of crime happening. He moved to, into another neighborhood, which is a safer neighborhood, and they denied him because the neighborhood was too safe. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. Oh my god! So it's uh, yeah, the they have really strict gun laws out here. Wow, I think that's the uh, that's your brother calling me right now. He's like, "Hey, I'd, I'm going to go live on the show." I'm like, "No, it's just uh campaign time. We've been getting so much stuff." So, so basically, it's a way of 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 uh, gun suppression, of Second Amendment right suppression, right? Because they're saying, "Here's conditions: you're too close to a a, a precinct, or your neighborhood has so few crimes reported, right? Because you already talked about reporting what is authentic, what is what you observe." Wait, if you're going out and you're seeing broken glass, things like that, um, broken doors, but because what's what's being reported is low, you don't qualify. We're not putting, we're not, we're not giving it uh, to you. So, um, so yeah, that's wow. And, and it, I, I was really surprised. Um, what was it about a month ago when Canada had the um, uh, Trudeau passed uh, legislation, not passed legislation, just said we're taking all of your. Um, I guess he classified it as assault weapons, and there was a there was a long list that that went into that, and that was just like it just happened. And um, but yeah, so so definitely, I mean, that was a question I brought up from the the um, chat room. Also, was you know what does Second Amendment look like in San Francisco? And I think what you shared with uh, your brother's experiences is it's really there's a lot of barriers to that. Um, so uh, you know. I guess any anything else that you want to share from from your work, what you see as your future in San Francisco, um, and, and then also kind of tell us about, you know, what what got you interested into petroleum engineering and where where you see you know yourself in let's say five five years. Well, right now I took a pause on that just because I I, I have to figure out a way how to get out of the city. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's like my main concern right now. You know, I can take on I I, I can go to an online school, but uh uh I took a pause on that. But what was the other question? Sorry about that. Um yeah, I guess where do you where do you see yourself in like five five years? In five years I see myself out of the city. Okay. I have the state, you know, just to be quite honest, you know, I can't, I can't take the taxes, the, uh, the, uh, the cancel culture, you know, just, you know, I get, I get belittled on the street just because, you know, if I, you know, I had a uh, pro second amendment shirt on and, you know, people, pe people were upset, you know, they, they called me a fake Mexican, you know, all these kind of things. And it's, it's, uh, just because I have a different, Point of view does that make sense it does and, and uh they don't they don't like that out here you know especially being a minority myself so it's 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 uh something i don't I, mainly for my kids you know i don't want them to grow up around here you know in the neighborhood where i grew up you know i saw a lot of drugs you know personally i've never done any drugs just because i knew a lot of people that just passed away throughout the years just on drug, uh, drug use. So, right. I, uh, drugs have never interested me. 
Wow. Never took yeah, an interest. No, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, that, that you'd want something different, you know, for your kids. And yeah, you know, as, as, uh, Mickinibus, uh, wrote in, in the chat room, you know, quoting our friend, you know, Rob from Rob says.net, um, you know, let them, let them burn. And I, you know, I think it, as you've said, I mean, it's your locus of control, right? You have control over yourself. You have control over your kids, um, the environment that you're in. So you have to make the choices. And then you also have control over, you know, obtaining the education, petroleum engineering, you know, getting into, uh, you know, the, the field where you can, uh, you know, have access to different points to live, different career opportunities, all good stuff. Um, so what I'm going to do, Juan, is I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I had won it for, <laughs> I wanted for a long time to to have you on uh, because I really appreciate your work. And I mean, and, and you post, so on, on Twitter, you post so many, uh, you know, snapshots that you take that literally, you know, it's a, like a thousand word story behind these snapshots. It, it just is, is so telling. Um, of, of what is really happening in, in California. Um, and man, I just, I appreciate you being on, on the show, sharing the stories, posting the, the, you know, short videos, things. Can you tell people where to find your, your work? Um, uh, yes, I'm actually on Instagram. It's uh, L O U four one five, uh, underscore. So that's, uh, that's my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, I don't know what's my Twitter handle. I just made a Twitter. It's uh, Juan underscore Cabrera four one five. All right, I'm gonna pull up your. Twitter. I actually, I actually uploaded a picture right now. I think I tagged you on it for the the park and the tents where I was telling you about, where it was like around forty five tents. Okay, you put that on Twitter. Yeah. So, hey, that's somebody who knows you. They're like, hey, it's Juan. Um, geez. I should have taken more typing classes here. Jeez. There we go, Juan. All right. Um, I'm going to just share your information right here. So this is Twitter. It's over here in the chat for Juan. Um, then for images, so I see, I see one of a man um, on Twitter I, of a man who's passed out, and then there's um, tents, and then I also see a guy wearing a Chargers jersey. That's kind of like the most recent one, six hours ago. Did you post on Instagram? Or no, like... on Twitter. I just posted. Oh, it here it is. Twenty minutes ago. So that's a, a pretty much like a government-funded uh, uh, encampment. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, let me bring it up so you can. Um, okay. Here we go. So this is what you just posted. So can you tell us? Yeah, what this is. Yeah. So. If you if you look to the left, you know, right by the tree, just to, I didn't get a picture of it, but I didn't get a, but you know, they have a station where they provide food and water and all a uh, bunch of resources for the homeless people. But 
Okay. Those are all brand new tents right there. And I counted about like 45 of them. And it's just for the homeless. And that's a local park. You know, that park is probably a few, probably like three blocks away from my house. Oh, wow. So, so these were put up. And this was like a coronavirus response. They put these up right. to you. Okay. Wow. That was a coronavirus response. Otherwise, this is just like a park right here uh, normally, right? Yeah, that's actually a, a, a baseball field. Okay. And you can't see because of the tents are in the way. There's actually a playground there. Wow. Too. So they shut down the playground. Kids can't go play, but I guess the homeless can go to the park, you know. And here's another angle, right, of the same thing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is this is fascinating. Okay. Let me. And how about um, how about this picture? Oh, uh, so right there, the uh, that's actually a, a a woman. So it's the guy with the jersey and the woman. She was actually uh, getting a heroin needle ready. She was. She was. Uh, they heat up the uh, the heroin before they they put it in the needle. Okay. They usually grab like a spoon, and they heat up the uh, which usually looks like black tar. Wow. And, and then this place, this normally just has all of this gating and stuff like this metal right. gate around it that people can't yeah. break into it. And okay. And then. Um, I just this this one this image you posted really stands out to me. Where was where was this at? That one was actually in San Rafael. I don't know if you uh, that was at, that wasn't in San Francisco, but that was outside of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, one of their offices. Yeah. So okay. So, so we go to Wall Street, you know, wealth, and and then we have yeah somebody uh, just passed out right in front. Oh my, oh my God. So, yeah, and that one actually outside of the Tesla dealership, the one before that one. That yeah. Okay. You can see the guy right there in the right in the corner, right there. Right here, and and then here's a uh, Tesla inside. Wow. I would think like if you're if you're a retailer, especially a mom and pop shop, it's gotta be really hard to sell because people aren't going to come down to your store. I mean, what if they encounter someone who's aggressive with them and or else just like having to walk through shit on the sidewalks or needles or it just it must be really hard to keep these businesses going. Or someone breaks a window, you know, like here they break it, something like that. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it's uh, you know, I saw this guy trying to go into his business. He had to wake up the homeless man, you know, just because he was right in front of the door. Yeah. He had to wake him up, like, hey, like I gotta go into my business. You gotta go somewhere else. It was like at five thirty in the morning. Jeez. And here's here's that image. Where did you take this one? That one was in between the tenderloin and uh. uh I think it's called Westfield Mall. No, it's uh, it's between downtown and the Tenderloin. So okay. this is actually a brand new building, and wow. it's been up for like two years, I think. And all of that's retail space, but the retail space, you know, they just—it's actually worse than what the picture looks. 
Okay. It's probably like 50 feet of just tents. It looks like the windows, like whatever was retail is gone because this is just like papered over yeah. the windows. But then, so this gets back to that earlier part too, where you're talking, you know, if government comes in and says, hey, you know, we'll put you up in this tent and hand washing station and whatever, and there's these things and food. People are like, I'm not going to give up all of this and and plus my spot here. I'm not going to do that. If I can take two things with me, I'm not. So this is another issue. But yeah, I mean, imagine if you had this as your retail place and, um, you know, so you're selling whatever out of here, Persian carpets or whatever the hell it is, or someone's trying to come down and get there, get through this, get to the, the front. They're just not going to do it. So, I mean, this has just got to just kill retail. And, um, yeah, the risk of having your place broken into and, uh, oh, my God, this is this is just absolutely, absolutely. It, this is the last one, Juan. I know um, you've got uh, some time limits uh, here, too, and we'll wrap the show up. But this one really fascinated me because it, it, looks, it, it, it looks like he's got, like, bleach here or something or what's going on? Yeah, he, he was just fiddling around. You know, I think he, uh, I'm not sure where he got that stuff, but he was going through it. I think he just, he probably broke into a car and he just took everything and he was just going through it. But he wasn't really there either, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean. He was upset that I took a picture of him. So I pretty much had to drive away. I I, I usually don't get out of my van just because it's, it's kind of dangerous, you know? Right. You, you don't have a knife or anything, but. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So everybody, as as we wrap it up here on the Safety Doc Podcast, number 137 with our good friend and guest Juan Cabrera from the state of California, the city of San Francisco. I want to thank Juan for being a guest on the show. This show is on the 405media.com out of Los Angeles, California, 137 episodes, all rendered in video, audio, and then a blog post at safetyphd.com. Again, we, we focus on face validity. Use the term I observed instead of I think, okay, or I heard. No, use I observed just as, as you know, you can do from what Juan is sharing with us right now in the show, what he shared with us today, I observed it so powerful versus, you know, this whole thing of here's what the media told me. And, and, you know, this article that was generated. No, I observed what your senses tell you when you put yourself into the situation. It's been an honor for me, Juan, to have you on the show. Uh, you're a terrific guy. I wish you the best. I'm going to keep in contact with you uh, to get updates. We'll, we'll bring you back on the show. Um, yeah, I got to check out my, my insurance policy. I probably, I, I've got, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have any more than liability on my, my old Impala. I think I still have a collision on that. I think if it hit anything like a butterfly, it'd probably be totaled out. But, uh, all right. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being a guest on, on the show and, uh, everybody check out the, this, this show at safetyphd.com. The blog post will be up in about 48 hours. Um, again, thank you so much, Juan. Thank you. And thanks uh, to Red and Sass and everyone else who tuned in. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, 
The truth will keep you safe.